Hey guys, I'm Jonathan Hilliard from Connects Media and host of Atlanta Born and Brand. We understand that many of you are struggling, and we want to help the community of business owners that we've grown to know and love over the last two years. Right now, we're all in a season of uncertainty with the virus, and the small businesses in our community need your support more than ever. That's why we've pivoted our show into a new campaign called Lift ATL 2020. We're going to do everything we can to help the businesses that have been on our show over the last two years, and that includes reintroducing them here on our podcast platform. We've also started a GoFundMe account where you can contribute, and after every $500 we raise, we'll donate to a new business. And finally, we want to offer some tangible steps that you can take to help each and every one of these businesses. Today, we're going to spotlight Josh Brown, co-owner of Wander North Georgia. It's been a while since we spoke with Josh at the beginning of Season 1, and Wander could really use your support. Here's how you can help right now. Buy gift cards. Wander is offering a generous special on gift cards for a limited time. For every gift card you purchase, you'll receive a bonus gift card. If you purchase a $50 gift card, you will get an extra $10 for free. If you purchase a $100 gift card, you'll get an extra $20 for free. And if you purchase a $250 gift card, you'll get an extra $50 for free. There is no limit to these, so purchase as many as you like and they never expire so they can be used anytime you like. If you know of a small business in need of help at this time, please share their story with us. Use the hashtag LiftATL2020. We are building a database of social media posts, graphics, and audio clips for you to download, share, and use how you see fit. We hope all of you will latch onto this cause and share the needs of those in our community. For more information, visit liftatl2020.com. From Connext Media, this is Atlanta Born and Brand. I'm your host, Jonathan Hilliard. Atlanta Born and Brand is a show all about businesses that are being built right here in the capital of the South. But more importantly, it's a show about their founders. We wanted to find some of the city's most interesting entrepreneurs and creators, hear about their challenges, successes, and how they built a brand that will last. Maybe most importantly, we want to introduce these founders, brands, and businesses to the city they live in, their neighbors, to make sure Atlanta and those brands that call it home can thrive for generations to come. For today's show, we travel north of town a good bit, but we find a brand with several Atlanta roots. We talked with Josh Brown, who was one of four owners at Wander North Georgia, with his wife, Alex Brown, and another couple, Jake and Courtney Scott. Wander North Georgia is a retail store in the small town of Clayton, tucked in the mountains just south of the North Carolina border. It's tempting to call it an outdoor lifestyle shop, but that doesn't take into account the beer selection, the ice cream parlor, or the bocce ball court that makes this place truly one of a kind. And would you believe it all started with a blog, an Instagram account, and story time at the local library? I grew up in South Alabama. My wife, Alex, grew up in Alpharetta, so she's born and raised in Alpharetta, lived there her whole life. Uh, Jake and Courtney, Jake grew up in uh, kind of the east coast of Florida near Jacksonville, and then Courtney was from Ohio. So uh, there's four owners. We all kind of lived all across the country um, in our youth, so to speak. Uh, And then we moved up here at different times over about the past three years or so. Um, and then we kind of met each other and 
that's how Wonder got going that way. But I grew up in South Alabama in a very small town, not too similar to most small towns in North Georgia. Uh, there was, you know, we I remember when Checkers opened um, back like in the <laughs> mid '90s, and there was like a line like two miles long oh, because we yeah. got our second fast food restaurant, right? Got to so, get those fries. Exactly, the yeah. fries and the spicy chicken. And <laughs> but anyway, that was a big thing for us. Like it was just a very small town, so I grew up around. Um, you know, my family, you see, you go to the post office and you'd run into 20 people that you knew along the way. You'd go to the grocery store and you'd see 20 people that you knew along the way. And yeah. I think that's very much what North Georgia's like. It's pretty similar to that. So, um, yeah, small town. So where, where were you guys kind of in, in your lives when you made the decision to, to move up here to Clayton? And what, what prompted that decision? Yeah, so Jake and, uh, Jake and Courtney had been coming, coming up here. Jake is pretty much his whole life. This is where this family vacationed when he was a kid. Yeah. So they'd been coming, uh, Jake his whole life, and that's a family, Jake and Courtney, for probably 10, 15 years. And I think for them, uh, the story they tell is that it was just they wanted to get smaller. They, you know, lived up in central Ohio in the suburbs there, and it was just crazy hectic. They were always working, and they wanted to kind of slow things down a little bit, which um, is very similar to our story as well. We lived in Athens, and uh, we lived in a nice little starter neighborhood. It was, you know, a beautiful home, uh, you know, two cars, picket fence, the whole little thing, you know, and we just wanted to get smaller. Um, for us, it was downsizing. We moved into, a, uh, Alex and I moved into a 900-square-foot cabin with, like, no heating and air. We basically had a wood-burning stove. Uh, but for us, it was, a, it was a financial decision, to be quite frank. We wanted to try to, like, eliminate some of our debt, and we wanted to kind of live a little bit simpler. So we had this grand idea that we would move to the mountains, get a, uh, a cabin with a wood-burning stove, get some chickens, have a garden. Um, so we basically moved to the mountains and did that. We moved in January, um, and January, like, 2nd or 3rd, something along like that. And then three weeks later, we got snowed in for, like, a week. And, again, we had a wood-burning wow. stove to kind of keep us alive. But... Uh, it's a little bit of culture shock there at the very beginning, you know, sure. going from like you know suburban life to you know survivalist mode, right. chopping down trees and all that. But and what year was that? Uh, this would have been three years ago. Okay. So I guess that's what my numbers get mixed up sometimes. Twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we started. Uh, we we moved up here. We more or less just started an Instagram account and a blog uh, to keep, make sure our parents knew we were alive. They all yeah. thought we were insane. All of our friends back in Athens and around Atlanta thought we were insane. You know, why would you leave the comfort of what you have to go live in the middle of the woods? Um, and we, I mean, we literally lived in the middle of the woods. It was like 30 minutes from like downtown. Like, I mean, it took you 30 minutes to get to where we were right. going. Um, so we moved out there and I mean, it was a great experience. We, uh, we got chickens, we started a garden. Of course we couldn't grow anything because uh, we didn't know what we were doing. Um, we chopped our own, you know, uh, felled our own trees with a chainsaw and ax and did the whole thing and kept the stove going. But you know, you wake up in the morning, it'd be 45 degrees. And we had a kid that was like two years old at the time. So it was very much a, um, a learning experience Figure it out as you yeah, go exactly yeah so um i know that you guys eventually you, you said you started the instagram and started the blog how did that um did that pick up momentum you know right off the bat or, or what did you how yeah did you populate that? yeah it was pretty much instagram i mean and that's just such a crazy thing for us um considering that it's social media and that you can get that much traction out of something that's free and um I mean, there's all kinds of strategy on how to do that, but it was literally a hobby for us. I mean, if you would ask us three years ago when we started Instagram and like the website and the little blog and everything, like, did we have any plans for it? Like, it was never any idea that we would ever have a store, but it would be like, this is something that we can do fun. Like, maybe we'll do a little podcast. Maybe we'll do like little YouTube videos, instructional stuff about how to raise chickens or <laughs> once yeah. we figured out how to grow a garden, how to do that. Like, I mean, we were just, you know, living in a fantasy world, to be quite honest with you. But sure. the idea was that we would go out there and, and live fairly small and, um, figure it out, but the Instagram was going to be the way to document it. We were just going to treat it like fun, um, and then it just blew up. I mean, I think 
uh, for a couple of reasons, but one of the reasons that the people are so passionate about North Georgia. I mean, Atlanta is such a huge metro area, um, and so many people grew up spending their weekends or their Saturdays or even week-long trips coming up to the mountains for the day, um, to their cabin just to come up to go hiking for the day, that I think immediately um, the second somebody started talking about it in a way that was pretty passionate and excited yeah. about it, I think so many other people that was a, it was a very contagious thing, and I think people just jumped right on board and started following. And from there, it's just been, you know, all downhill. But what separated Josh and Alex from the thousands of others with a blog or an Instagram account? How did they get from there to here? It's quite conventional, actually. They just needed a trip to their local library for a little guidance. When we moved up here, we because we were out in the middle of nowhere and we were basically in our cabin trying to survive more or less. Um, I was doing freelance design, so I was stuck in front of a computer all the time in the beautiful mountains and all that. Um, for us, we were like, all right, well, we didn't think anybody else up here our age lived anywhere within like a hundred mile radius of us. So uh, we started going to kids, uh, the kids story time at the public library up here just to maybe stumble in across somebody that was our age or, you know, in the same orbit of what we were doing. And we met Jake and Courtney at one of the second or third times that we were there. They were there with their kids. And we're immediately like, hey, you guys look cool. You have a beard. Hey, you guys look cool. You have a beard. Um, you guys are under the age of like 60. Like, let's hang out. So um, we went to story time. It just happened to be there at the same time. And then we ended up grabbing lunch the same day. And then uh, Jake was looking for some uh, space downtown to rent for his uh, small business. And I was doing some freelance, and I needed some uh, square footage somewhere where I could put an office and get out of the cabin, not have cabin fever all the time. Yep. So we went from going to story time at like 11 o'clock to eating lunch at like 1230 to like walking around town. To, we found this little cinder block building over here that was for rent for like 200 bucks or something crazy cheap like that. Wow. And we basically... Within maybe 24, 48 hours, had signed a lease on that building to kind of sh share it. I was going to pay 100 bucks, and he was going to pay 100 bucks, and we were going to put two desks in there. And uh, Alex and I were going to do our little small business from there, and Jake and Courtney were going to do their little small business from there. And that's sort of how everything got started from story time to sharing office space, you know, within Crazy. within a couple of days. So is it fair to say if you didn't have a beard, if you had shaved that morning, you might not have this story? Maybe. You have to have a beard up here. I mean, everybody <laughs> everybody has beards, I guess, yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. It definitely helps. So you guys, uh, you start sharing this office space, and I guess, is it the traction that you're getting on the blog and on Instagram that kind of pushed you to kind of take the next step? Yeah, so more or less, uh, once we had the office space, uh, we had the Instagram, we had the blog, it was getting, you know, we were getting more visitors to the site every day, people were following on Instagram uh, more regularly, we started a little Facebook page, and it just kind of exponentially started to grow, and we're like, all right, well, we might have something here, like, what should we do with it? I was still heavily invested in doing the freelance side of things, and uh, Jake to this day still does his small business. He's in the cycling world, um, doing distribution for like cycling parts and all that. And um, but we were like, all right, well, we've got something here. There's an audience that seems to be what we're doing. Let's let's do hikes together. Let's just take people on hikes and let's do meetups and things. And again, there was no, we're not going to charge for it. There was no monetary thing. It was just hobby. But like we've got people that are interested in doing the same things that we're interested in. Let's go do this with like-minded people. Right. So we would go out, we would do hikes, um, we would go do cleanup hikes, we would just kind of meet up with a bunch of people, and then we would come back to the cinder block building, our day, quote-unquote day jobs, um, and we would roll out a barbecue grill. There was a big uh, uh, wall right outside, and we would throw, uh, we had a projector from uh, forever ago. It was like an old grainy projector, but we'd put our laptop into it, and we would show movies up there for the kids. Nice. We would sit outside and drink beer and, uh, you know, cook hot dogs and hamburgers and everything. And, We'd have 20 people at the first one, and then we'd have like 30 or 40, and we called them, started calling them party on the porch. So we would more or less go hike. Um, we would go whitewater rafting for the day, and then we would end up back at the place just to kind of hang out and 
uh, sort of organically this community started to kind of take shape and people would come up and they were really into what we were doing not just from the online stuff but now it was kind of being married with this physical world of doing activities yeah. and things together and from there we kind of we figured we might have something that people would be interested in doing so tell me about your first physical products yeah so uh, uh, kind of simultaneously when we started doing the hikes and everything people have been asking us since like when we had like 100 followers on instagram make a sticker make a sticker um, my background is in graphic design again was doing a lot of that freelance stuff so i'm like all right we'll make 10 stickers and um, we'll just go to like carstickers.com make 10 stickers and we'll put them up online and we'll see if anybody buys them if not we'll just give them out to friends so we sold like the 10 or 15 stickers that we made in like the first like 30 minutes from an instagram post like that's pretty crazy so we went out and bought 50 stickers we got rid of those in like a week and a half two weeks like that's pretty crazy let's let's maybe add some shirts so we went out and got like the bare minimum shirts which was like 24 or something like that um sold those over the next like couple weeks so um, from there we pretty much just started uh we added um, maybe three or four stickers like one to two shirts and that was it it was just going to be kind of this little thing on the side that we kept saying it was going to be our drinking money and what we used to pay for the hamburgers and hot dogs at our like party on the porch thing um, so we started a little e-commerce store there selling shirts, stickers, and like, uh, we didn't even have a hat for like the first year, but it was shirts and stickers. And, uh, that was going to be our beer money. So how do you go, you know, it's, I know that's a good feeling when you get rid of stickers and mm-hmm. you get rid of, you know, 25 shirts or whatever it is, but it's a big leap to go from that oh, to yeah. opening a, you know, brick and mortar. Absolutely. Um, it's even a big leap just to go out and buy 25 shirts, you know, sure. I mean, that's like a couple yeah. hundred bucks, which just sounds like really small and nominal now, especially, you know, if you've got money but we were freelancing and right. I had no money so you know to right. go out and spend 250 I mean we put it on our credit card but right. um, but yeah so to go from from that little small investment that was even then a big leap of faith to kind of do, are people interested in this is this ego is this novelty like what is this to opening a store was definitely a huge stretch but um, what was a tipping point that got you there very similar like I mean we never had any plans I mean um, we literally had never thought about doing a shop we were just gonna do this thing for fun hang out with our friends again drink beer eat hot dogs we got a friend to play music one night I mean it was just gonna be this kind of like hangout thing that we did Uh, and then one night we after one of those we saw a for lease sign in this building Uh, not the building we're in now but uh, about a half block down the way Um, it was up for rent and it's just set for rent, so we were outside. We had been drinking some beer. We're like, let's just call it just to see how much it's for. We have no idea what rent is in town. We know what rent is in Athens, where we came from, and we know what rent was in Ohio. Yeah. We know what rent is in Atlanta. So let's just see. And we called, and the number was, like, not what we were expecting. It was way lower. It's not wasn't cheap, but we're like, we could feasibly do this. We're already paying money over here for our day jobs for this right. office space. Why don't we just take – so we – if we do this, let's just take the space that, we, that we're looking at now, let's take it and we'll just cut it in half. The back half will be for our day jobs back in the back. So we'll, my small business and Jake's small business will pay the, the rent for the back part so that already rent gets cut in half. Yeah. And so all we have to do is sell like seven or eight shirts and we'll break even. That was the idea. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was a little more complicated than that. Yeah. But so again, same thing from basically drinking beer to seeing the rent sign. For Within two weeks, we had a signed lease and we were off to the races on it. So wow. um, kind of crazy. So you, you open the doors that first day. Are you terrified that, that nobody's going to come yeah. in? Or do you have, have you Absolutely. put out the word and you felt pretty good about it? Where are no, you? No, we felt horrible about it. We were like, this yeah. is crazy. So even then, um, to get it, just to, people don't realize the amount of like money it takes to open a store. Renovation is like one thing, but just to stock, especially in retail, to stock a store. Um, it was going to just to sparsely decorate it and to sparsely stock it. 
Um, it was like 500 square feet. It was going to cost like 30 grand. So we, you know, got out our personal credit cards. We didn't have a really a bank loan at this time. We just went with our credit cards and maxed out. So we're like, this is crazy. This is stupid. No one's going to be into it. It's just an Instagram account. This is insane. Um, so yeah, a ton of nervousness, a ton of like um, fear. What have we done? Like this is crazy. But um, people showed up. And it wasn't a huge crowd the first day, but it wasn't a huge crowd the second day. But the second day was busier than the first day, and the third day was busier than the second day. And we had the luxury of opening it up. Uh, we opened up uh, a week before Black Friday in what 2016. Um, so we kind of had the day we opened. We had the built-in traffic from Christmas and holiday shopping. Right. So it sort of gave us a nice running start and boost sure. in the busiest time of year because people were buying gifts. But right. Yeah. So you went from you moved here in January of 2016, mm -hmm. and by the end of the calendar year, you guys had opened up. Shop. Yes. <laughs> Crazy. Right. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. It's still very weird for us to look. <laughs> we went. Cool. We just so we just celebrated what our second year of uh, retail, and uh, we found the picture when we opened the store, and it looked like we were going out of business the first day just because it was so sparsely uh, stocked <laughs> with product. You know, we looked at it and we thought it was the most amazing thing. I read my caption, you know, my Facebook post, uh, Facebook post, and it was like, oh, I'm so proud of this. It's the most beautiful store that's ever been created. It's so great. And then, you know, looking at it two years later, from even where we are now, it's like, oh my God, that was horrible. Listen, you got to start somewhere. Yeah, for and sure. I mean, 11 months after you moved Absolutely. here. Absolutely. Yeah. That's pretty incredible. Um, so you you mentioned that your background is in graphic design. Mm -hmm. So is the, the branding that, um, you know, still still sticks to your store to this day, is that your work or did you have some help with that? Or Yeah, I'd say 75% of it I still do, especially uh, on a lot of the smaller stuff now. So any web-based graphics you see, anything like that, right. um, I still kind of play 99% um, of that role. Uh, we have hired a couple designers um, to do some of the t-shirts over the past six months, just as we've gotten busier in my role has like evolved. I'm, I'm doing like all the buying now, I'm doing all the social media marketing. Like I've got 20 different hats. That's with any small business owner. So yeah. anything that I can offload to somebody else, I'm doing. So we found a guy out of Brooklyn, his name's Zachary Kiernan. He's an amazing, talented designer. I love that guy. Uh, so he's been doing some of the designs for us. and. Um, really helping kind of craft our identity there. Nice. What, uh, similar to what prompted you to open the first store, what prompted the move up here, up the street? Pragmatic. So, uh, again, just surreal in terms of growth, but we opened, you know, uh, into 2016 by the summer of 2017. So within six, seven months, when you got into the busy season of like June, July, everybody coming up to their lake homes and everybody, the kids are out of school and they're spending, you know, time in the mountains. There'd be Saturdays where you couldn't walk into our store. We'd have 50 people in there, and if the fire marshal came, he'd shut us down. Like, you just physically couldn't move in 500 square feet with that amount of people. Um, so we decided to start looking around, um, see if we could find some additional space. Uh, luckily, our landlord owned this building and owned that building, so um, we told him that we were looking for a bigger space. He told us about this one, and he made it pretty convenient, easy for us, and uh, cost-effective for us to slide over here versus staying there. And even this, I mean, this going from 500 square foot, this is almost 4,000 square feet. So it was a massive change and another whole fresh round of heart attacks and, you know, stress right. and right. angst and all that good stuff. Before we go on with today's episode, I want to take a minute to address the small business owners listening to the show. Here at Atlanta Born & Brand, we hope to bring great value to you over the course of our first season. And now, we're looking for a couple partners to help us do that. If you're interested in advertising your business or brand on this show, let us know. We're looking to build a team of great companies and ultimately create a network that props up all great Atlanta-run businesses. If you'd like more information, send us an email at info at atlborn.com. That's info at atlborn.com. So 
running a retail shop completely different than just an e-commerce mm-hmm. business. And I'm sure you guys learned that quickly. Uh, you know, in your sitting in your store here in January of 2019, you guys have a really well planned out, thought out uh, storefront. It's you know well decorated, and it feels like you guys was that something that one of you guys um, you know kind of took to and had talent in it, or did you have to rely on some other people to come in? And no, help, it's help all you it's all us. So uh, it's all us. So it was, so it was uh, definitely Alex and Courtney and and Jake. So Jake, everything that you see in here that's uh, fixture wise, Jake built that. So his background, as his kind of you know hobby is uh, carpentry and everything. Mm-hmm. So he built like all of our fixtures. Uh, Alex did like all the design. Courtney did like all the organizing and inventory. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had we definitely have four uh, owners that have four very distinct strengths, sure. which makes it really nice. So I can do the social media marketing that side of things. Right. Alex can do like kind of all the merchandising and customer service piece. Jake does all of our like logistics and build out and operations. Courtney does like all the inventory and the accounting and the QuickBooks and all that, you know, spreadsheet stuff. So, um, but yeah, we definitely did it all ourselves and um, try to do it as cheaply as possible. So most everything that we have in here is very pragmatic. Like uh, we're back here in the uh, back, we've got a huge thing of AstroTurf that we call our indoor bocce ball court. Honestly, it was just cheaper for us to do that both at our old store and over here instead of filling an additional 750 square foot of like merchandise, which again is another 20, 30 grand worth of stuff. Right. Um, $500 worth of AstroTurf like fills this space and it's all pragmatic. So we did it as cheaply as we could, um, but a lot of it was just, you know, function. We just needed something cheaply to fill that space and yeah. that's how we did it. Josh, tell me about the uh, the community aspect of your, your business. Um, you know, going through your website and having visited your store now, I know that the community you guys are in is a big part of, mm-hmm. of what you do. Um, Tell me how you guys integrate into the community and, and what your goals are as far as yeah. uh, propping up the community around. Absolutely. You. So uh, for us, we're not from here. We're not from Rabin County. Um, we, every, a lot, lots of people that have lived here have lived here generation after generation after generation. So for us being, even when we had the small building, when we moved in, we want to make sure that we never like stepped on anybody's toes or did anything that like dishonored or messed up like what people have taken good care of for a really long time. And I think we're also in this interesting space space with being in social media where we're bragging on a place come visit come visit come visit go hiking go go to this waterfall go do this go whitewater rafting and so you're sending people into these um into these places that uh, have for a very long time been protected and stewarded by this local community right so for us when we decided to open the doors on a retail space it was very important to make sure that that wasn't just something that we tacked on but like that was like a huge part of our dna like the first thing that we think about and the last thing that we think about so very early on from the time that we decided to move from the center block building to the the bigger uh, retail store across the street we had to start thinking about like what do we want to do with community and how do we want to make that like highlight that that aspect of it so so tell me about um i know you guys do a one percent for for yep. raven county um how do you, how did that come about first of all and then how do you go about kind of deciding where that one percent yes a great question um so kind of uh, twofold there I mean, some of it is pragmatics um I don't think people realize just how many, um, this is kind of like behind the scenes, I guess, but like every small business that you know, they get sent about 10 to 15 emails a day asking for giveaways from people all across the country. It's not even like the local Rotary Club asking for something, which we're happy to do, but you just get inundated with requests like, can I have this? Can I have this? Can I have this? And every small business has like a a tender spot, obviously, and they want to be able to take care of as many people as they can and donate things. But the pragmatics are, if you gave out 10 things a day or, you know, 10 things a week even, like you're not 
going to you're not going to make it to so for some of us it was like how do we how can we be strategic if we're going to give things away like how can we be really intentional instead of giving thirty dollars here can we give a thousand dollars like what would make a bigger impact ten you know thirty dollar things or actually my math's not right on that whatever you know a thousand dollars here thirty dollars here right um so some of it was that uh, but we, we, there's a lot of nonprofits up here in this county, and there was a lot of them that we were friends with the people that were on the boards of di- uh, directors and uh, people that were running these nonprofits on the day to day. And we're like, let's just give 1% to each one of those. We'll all pick some that are really important to us. We didn't open it up to an application process. So the four of us got together as owners, and we're like, we're really passionate about this one. I really like the mission of what they're doing. And so basically every month we take 1% of our um, total sales. It's not profit. So even on months like January, uh, February, and March where we're going to lose money on paper, we still donate 1% of our overall sales. But we give it to nonprofits. We figure they're going to be wise stewards of that, and they're going to put it back right right here in the community. Um, It doesn't mean that we don't give to people across the state or across the region or when we get asked 10 times a week to give stuff. But um, we really try to be intentional and focus that giving right here in Raven County so that it can be put back into the local community for, for good things. You guys are really unique in that you have two sets of spouses mm-hmm. working together. Tell me about working with your wife and the, and the challenges, I guess, and the, and the benefits. <laughs> yeah, of it's, uh, it's amazing. I mean, it's amazing in the sense that, like, we get to spend a lot of time together. I mean, we yeah. spend every waking second together, and... Um, what she, particularly for me and Alex, what she's good at, I'm not good at, and what I'm good at, she's not good at, so we complement each other in a lot of ways. So it's really great to be able to, you know, go to a trade show and look at product together and pick things out and um, to have different perspectives on how to do things in the store. But, yeah, it's challenging at times. But um, depends on the day and, I guess, how stressed we are and all that. But <laughs> yeah. uh, having not done it, uh, not working with a spouse, and then having worked with a spouse, it's a pretty rewarding thing mm-hmm. on the days that we do it right. There's lots of days that we don't do it right, but yeah. the ones that we do, it's, it's pretty great. It's pretty fortunate that you guys have different skill sets. Yeah. Because I know that, you know, some some couples, if, if you were both, you know, graphic designers mm-hmm. or you were both, you know, operations right. type people, maybe the, the heads would butt a little Absolutely. bit more. But I think that's honestly, too, I mean, I think it's, I believe it's one of the reasons why our business has been so successful so early on is because we have four people that take a high level of ownership in these four categories. We get a lot of people that ask, I want to do what you guys are doing. How do I go and do that? Um, and immediately I'm like, well, you need somebody that's really good at accounting, Courtney. You need somebody that's really good at lease negotiations and uh, building things and all the, the operational stuff, Jake. You need somebody that's really great at customer service that can smile and make people feel really warm and uh, practice a lot of hospitality. That's Alex. Like, You need somebody that knows graphic design and website and marketing, all that. Right. Because not, if you have to go hire an accountant, that's, you know, 30 grand a year, you're paying an accountant. If you have to go hire somebody to build a website, you know, and manage your social media and take all your key product photography, that's another. So it, the expenses add up really, really quick. But by having four people that have those sort of strengths, I, I believe it's one of the our distinct advantages in that we were able to open something with pretty much every aspect being covered of what we would need to do to at least get a good running start. Right. So tell me about uh, your specialty on the on the branding and the marketing and um, kind of the design side. You guys already had sort of a base um, sort of look and feel mm-hmm. and, and brand before you even opened, you know, before you sold your first product, basically right. from the blog and the Instagram. What are your goals and what's kind of your um, kind of guidelines now as you move forward and you're, you're still trying to grow your brand on Instagram yeah. or, or on your website? Yeah, I think um, 
you know, if you were to talk to anybody in marketing, and again, that's been my background for 10 or 15 years is, you know, for lack of a better word, like marketing. And you've got these guys out there now, like Gary Vee and stuff. I don't know I'm familiar audience are some of these people that, you know, all they do is they, they push content, 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 just create content and people will be happy with it. And we've kind of had the, the, we think differently about that. Our goal is not just to put content or to put graphics or to put images or to put video out there for the sake of doing it. Our, anything that we do from a marketing design uh, standpoint is like, how do we create movement? How do we get people to leave their house in Atlanta and drive to the mountains for the day and go shop at this local small business or go eat at this local restaurant or visit this local coffee shop? So for us, it's all about anything that we do with design, we're trying to create movement. It's something as simple as a logo uh, to something as simple as like a, a video that we put up or a social media post. It's like, how do we create forward movement to get people to do something? And it's not content for content's sake. Like, that's just not something that, at me, as the marketing kind of arm of this thing, is not something I'm particularly interested in. Tell me about uh, what, what are your biggest challenges? What are your biggest struggles? Because I know, you know, you were in the freelance world mm -hmm. previously. Um, so you didn't have a, you know, a strict corporate nine to five, but now, you know, you're coming into the same store yep. every day and you're facing, you know, retail is, yeah. it's a, it's a different beast. So uh, what, what, what keeps you up at night? Uh, scale and then turning it off. I, me personally, I am a workaholic. The other three have a, uh, they can turn it off a little bit easier, but we all carry it home with us. Um, yeah. so if, I think, um, Finding that work-life balance, which I guess is, you know, you hear that from every entrepreneur. I mean, it's part of the nature of the beast for the first four or five years of a company. You're just going to grind and put the hours in. Um, but then it gets back to an issue of scale. Like when you're growing quickly, you're growing quickly and you have more work to do and you have more needs that sort of pop up. Uh, it's like the little holes in the ship that you're trying to plug. Sure. Uh, but you don't really necessarily have the, the capital or the bandwidth to be able to pull it off. Yeah. Um, so, you know, right now I could think of five positions that we need as a company that we, if we could flip a switch tomorrow, I could, we could hire five, five people that would be doing some of this like heavy lifting that right now is either not being done very well or, you know, getting lost in the shuffle, but we don't have the capital to do it because we're only in year two. So, right. um, it's, I think just finding that work-life balance and then figuring out how to scale what you're doing sure. in a way that, um, doesn't lose like the magic of what you've created when you were you know, right. again, sitting outside at a barbecue drinking beer. Yeah. So now you got a 4,000 square foot store. How do you have the same culture, the same vibe, the same, you know, hospitality that you right. had when you were doing that? Do you, I'm in the store, I think is, is probably the cornerstone of your business at this point, but it almost feels like if you were just an online e-commerce business, scaling is, is a completely different topic. But now that you have this, this brick and mortar, you almost have to be more patient. Yes. And, uh, I mean, I think we don't want to be, uh, we don't want to be an on online e-commerce right. thing. I mean, I think in the age of Amazon and age of Walmart and the it, uh, chain stores that, you know, move into town, it's, I think more important than ever, like people crap on main street and say main street America is dying and small business is dying and Amazon's threatening everybody. Yeah, maybe. But it's, it's when it's done poorly or when it's done bad. Like, people who do it right and do it well and put a lot of thought into it, I think there's a lot of life left. There's a lot of energy that can be uh, channeled in the right direction. Well, I think this street is is a good example of that. You know, you come if you came to downtown Clayton 10 or 15 years ago, maybe it's different. And Atlanta is also another, you know, example of, of the little downtowns in the in the suburb communities that have kind of kind of disappeared for a couple decades right and, and are now starting to reemerge with small businesses restaurants yeah. shops 
Um, so yeah, I was cool. listening to your interview with Michael from uh, yeah. Switch, and that's what y'all talked about. Obviously, you got the downtown scene, but places like Lawrenceville and right. Roswell and these spots. I mean, I think that's what people want. When you do it and you do it right and you can kind of like tie all these disparate pieces together, yeah. it becomes a really beautiful thing that has the potential to be successful and right. um, can can compete on a, on, in a world with Amazon and, and Walmart and all that. Yeah. Tell me about, uh, you know, you guys are all – outsiders quote unquote mm. you're not from here but you've been here for three years now and, and you guys have kind of started to ingrain yourself in the community what is uh what is this this area this town mean to you guys now at this point yeah so for for me I've, I've been coming here for about 20 years i moved to atlanta when i was uh 19 years old and within about three weeks i was camping within about 10 miles from this location mm. and i've been coming every other weekend for the better part of you know those those 20 years so yeah. mm. um it's a really special place. This, this, you know, it's still surreal to us. Sometimes we, we, we go eat dinner somewhere or we go to like this trail and we're like, this is like 10 minutes from our house now. And we used to drive like two hours just yeah. to come here for, for five minutes. So, um, you know, we have the same amount of stress, the same amount of like issues that anybody would have, no matter where you live. I mean, we still have, you know, check our checking account balance all the time to, to make sure we have money for great. Sure. We have the same stuff that everybody else has, but at the end of a bad day, like, I mean, I can look out the window over your shoulder right now and see the mountain with the fog on it. Like, if I have a bad day, like I can be in the river fishing in five minutes. I can be like on a trail in 30 minutes. You know, I can be wherever I want to be that sort of helps me recenter and get back. And so it's a pretty special thing to be able to live here um, at a place that you used to just come for the weekends. Now it's like, that's your backyard. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's weird. It just doesn't feel normal still, even after three years. You talked a little bit about it in your struggles, but to wrap up, I just, um, the question that's on my mind is what do you guys see as, the next steps or what's down the road for for wander what are your goals yeah we've we've had a thousand and one um conversations especially of late and figuring out what we want to do and where we want to go and we've had people come to us and want to invest in some pretty crazy ways and I, we just don't have we don't know i mean that's probably way more information than you than you want but we, we don't know yet um we i think a lot of people would try to think about getting bigger and bigger and bigger and our goal is like how do we get smaller so you know we've had people wanted us to carry that product line drop the north georgia piece and just carry it all across uh the country and, and there, it's probably we wanted to get really rich and spin this thing off into something else we should do that but it's not something that we have much interest in doing uh, so we do have about 15 partners across georgia uh, mostly north georgia but we have some uh, even down in atlantic like citizen supply and ponds right. uh, carry some of our stuff um Instead of us going and opening, you know, 20 stores in these um, these small towns that would impact negatively other businesses, our thought is like, well, let's just take our product and let them succeed with it, and so that it could be a, a complementary thing instead of us coming in and boxing people out or impinging upon the good work that they're already doing as a small yeah. business. We're able to take our product and put it in those places and be a complement as opposed to being something that's a detracting thing. This is where my home is. Like, this is where I want to spend the you know the rest of my life putting down roots and giving back in the community and, and doing something like tangible, um, in, in this particular place. And, um, yeah, so we don't, we don't really have huge plans. We've got some ideas for a couple other businesses in town that we may try at some point. Um, I don't know when this podcast will go live, but hopefully in the next week or so, we might have something exciting that we can announce, um, that involves uh, Admiral Akbar from Star Wars. All I think right. that'll be kind of fun. But <laughs> so we've got some ideas of how to, you know, uh, continue to do different things locally that would make sense for us. But we're really happy where we're at, and we're not trying to become this big, all-encompassing thing. Uh, we're trying to figure out how do we live well right here where we're at. 
For more information on Wander, visit their website. And yes, they still have the blog too. That's at wandernorthgeorgia.com. Follow them on social media at wandernorthga. Atlanta Born and Brand is a production of Connects Media. We're a full-service digital media production company focused on helping small businesses tell their story in the most effective way they can. If you're looking to tell the story of your business, we'd love to help. You can find us at connectatl.com. Special thanks go out to Chris Hilliard, Joshua Pruitt, and our families who make it all possible. Stay tuned in the show for more stories from the city's top startups and small businessmen and women. You can do that by subscribing in Apple Podcasts or wherever else you might happen to be listening. If you like the show, we'd really appreciate a review and a rating. And of course, share it with your friends. Keep up with the show on social media. We're at ATL Born Brand on Instagram and Twitter. And you can also like our Atlanta Born and Brand Facebook page. Finally, you can find all the previous episodes of the show on our website, atlborn.com. For Atlanta Born and Brand and Connects Media, I'm Jonathan Hilliard. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see y'all soon. Thank you.